0: Welcome to Wallop Roundup for the month of December 2023. Rylan Turner here to talk all the news and rumors in pro wrestling for the month of uh, November, as well as review AEW Full Gear and WWE Survivor Series 2023. Usually I am joined by my co-host Kyle Joseph, but this month he has just does not have the time to watch seven hours of pro wrestling in one month. So, Replacing him this month is our good friend to the show, Jack London. Jack, how are you, sir?
1: I am doing great, and I have nothing better to do than watch seven hours of pro wrestling. So let's
0: get it. I live for this, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I I took on the entire duration of all the months wrestling, with the exception of the Saudi show, because I just can't be bothered with those ones. Um. We're going to get to the pay-per-view reviews near the end of the show, but we're going to talk a little bit about the news and rumors of what's going on in pro wrestling right now. Um, uh, Let me just find my list here. Okay, so before we get into anything, like uh that we were recording this uh the Tuesday before December first. So a lot has happened in the last few days in regards to pro wrestling and uh the current situation in both AEW and WWE. Uh let's talk about this tournament in AEW, the Continental Classic. Um firstly, uh Jack, what are your thoughts on the design of the tournament so far?
1: So I, I am one of the people that were that were not hugely familiar with Uh, round robin style tournaments so i'm used to single a single elimination tournaments and that sort of thing so with the point system i thought that that makes it intriguing i liked the brackets that they put into it uh i I like the wrestlers that they decide to do i think that they did confuse a few people i mean i think even Eddie Kingston was a little confused about the belt situation. And if he loses his belt when he loses the match or so, if even Eddie Kingston was confused, uh, trust me, we're going to be a little confused. So yeah, I so far I'm liking what I'm seeing. I'm thinking it. There's an interesting, I, I think that they have an opportunity right now to do something very interesting. And, and I think it's to have matches that in some ways. Aren't tied to what's happening on TV, you know, not tied to the heel face dynamic. You're just putting people in here and it gives you opportunity to, to create the sports like feel with, uh, uh, upsets, you know, like I was looking at right. somebody saying that that would have been a good time for swerve, uh, Strickland to maybe take a loss coming off of that crazy match that he had.
0: You know, so it gives them an opportunity to do some different stuff. So I'm excited about that part. Yeah, we'll get into it a little bit. Uh, The blue, there's two different um, brackets, or I guess two different, uh, as they're calling them, leagues. This is very much so in the same vein as uh, the G1 for New Japan Pro Wrestling, but a little different. So the blue league consists of Andrade, Danielson, Kingston, uh, or Eddie Kingston, Uh, Brody King, Claudio Castanoli, and Daniel Garcia. And the Gold League consists of Mark Briscoe, John Moxley, uh, Swerve Strickland, Roosh, Jay Lethal, and Jay White. Um, What are your thoughts on who they've picked for the tournament? Is anyone missing that you feel like should be in this tournament?
1: (laughs) So, without having all of the details, like I mean, so you would think... Kenny Omega, the best bout machine, best bout machine in the world. Like you would think that he would be in that tournament. I guess, I guess the glaring thing is if this tournament is to determine the best of the best in AEW, how do you have the tournament, but not have the person that you consider the best bout machine in the world in the tournament? And if he's not in the tournament, they didn't do a great job of saying, Who's in the tournament because and who's not in the tournament because?
0: Right. Certainly, I agree with you on that 100%. I think that uh, some glaring missing people, I will say Brody King, I love Brody King, but like, why is Malachi Black not in this? Yep. Like, mm-hmm. we, we had him a few weeks ago, or them, I guess, uh, a few weeks ago, take out everybody, yep. uh, tag team division, Danielson, and Danielson is in this one eye or not. And you'd think that they would have it a situation where him and Malachi could meet each other in some of these round robin opening matches and they didn't. So it is, he's conspicuous by his absence. That's for sure. And um, I wonder
1: if it has something to do with the
0: eye injury and not being able to fly because of said eye injury. Well, that's the thing is, is Danielson's in it. Right. So like he, he's, and that's what he, I'm talking he's, about. Danielson. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's, I guess it's possible, yeah, I you, I never really thought about it like that but you, you could be right on that um who do you expect to go over who needs to go over two different questions who do you expect to go over who do you think needs the, the tournament um so I think
1: if I think I think swerve I think this would be a, a great launching point for him. Right. I think this will be a great launching point for him. Now, I think with Eddie Kingston putting everything on the line and kind of being this this scruffy guy fighting from underneath, it would be nice to see him win the tournament, you know, because he gave up his belts in order to get into the tournament and just to see him do something like that will be a big deal. So I think either one of them, I think I could, I would,
0: I would really co-sign. Um, the last question I have about this tournament, does AEW need another title? Absolutely not. That is look. Oh my God. <laughs> if
1: I, I don't have a, a huge list, but I think the more titles there are the less they mean and when you get to the place where Samoa Joe is coming out and giving a title up just for the hell of it not because he's engaged for another title right now he gave it up before that so what are you telling me that those titles mean not much so if you already have too many titles not enough uh, in way of titles meaning anything, you're giving up titles and now you're going to bring in another title, which I think the interesting wrinkle on the title that they're bringing in is the fact that it is a ring of honor, the ring of honor world championship. It is going to be the new Japan. What is it? The strong or open weight championship. Yeah. The strong Championship. So when you look at the lineage that is behind the ring of honor championship, now you're going to just bury that, which if if I had to look at it, that would be the top title because it's the world title and you're going to just put it all into one belt. So I don't know. Interesting decisions being made uh, sometimes on AEW.
0: Uh, very much so. Uh, you wanted to touch on tribalism and pro wrestling right now and uh, me and Kyle were just having a conversation uh, not on a podcast but just between the two of us of how it is that, just at a fever pitch of annoyance. Yeah. Um, what? Give me your thoughts on what's going on right now. You know, and,
1: and I don't want to say the corniest, most cliche thing, but, but I really believe it applies. Competition between wrestling federations, we win. <laughs> like, no matter what. Like, right now, WWE is firing on all cylinders. It has not been this good in a long time. I don't That's think right. it's this good right now. Just because it's just good right now, It's good because they have competition and, and steady competition. And we're not talking about TNA competition. We're not talking about Ring of Honor competition. We're talking about legit head-to-head competition. So for whatever reason, and, and this is something that I'm seeing every day, maybe you are, why do we keep looking at the, the arena This is the WWE arena. So I I looked at the one today. It was like, well, this is what uh, WWE SummerSlam in Nashville looked like. So the whole thing was all tarped off on one side, but the rest of it was full. Then somebody comes back. Ah, well, look at AEW. They had to tarp off everything. And it's it's almost becoming for fans like we are warring against each other. And we are discounting Mm -hmm. each other's opinions because, oh, well, you must be stupid if you like WWE more than AEW. And then it's just, I don't understand it. And maybe, I don't know how many people watch one or the other. I would think anybody that's a wrestling fan is watching it all, it's just watching wrestling engaged. But you have the people that's, I only watch this, I only watch that. I don't understand that. Competition breeds wins for us. We're seeing better TV, better action more uh, uh, coals on the fire. Like, this is what we need. And I don't understand why fans are so toxic and upset with each other as if your coffee book is going to get any bigger (laughs) if you support one or the other.
0: I I 100% agree with you. It is, like I said earlier, at a fever pitch of annoyance. Like, we are in a position right now where, like you said, all you got to do is enjoy the wrestling that you like. AEW, WWE. TNA, NWA may not be for you, Mm. and that's okay. It's okay to have a situation where one of the the products isn't your bag. We hear it every week when Jim Cornette does a podcast. He hates AEW, but you know what? (laughs) I don't think AEW is formatted. I don't think that it's done for somebody who is his tier of wrestling fan. He likes the classics. He likes the old school stuff which I don't think he gives enough credit to how old school AEW can be at times, but certainly it's the new school of wrestling and there's nothing wrong with that. If you're enjoying it, we're going to get into like a, a four hour pay-per-view that they put on mid-November where I didn't like everything. I didn't, <laughs> but, I, but the stuff that I liked, I really liked. We're going to talk about Survivor Series where I didn't like everything. But there was some certain stuff that I did enjoy. And there's nothing wrong with either way, with either thought process, honestly. I think that, like you said, we're at a, a boom period of wrestling where WWE, pretty enter- entertaining. Last night, I watched Monday Night Raw and was entertained thoroughly throughout that three hours. And it's a daunting three hours to get through every single it week. It is. <laughs> <laughs> SmackDown for me is, is is always hit and miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, there are times when they have great matches and they have great programs and stories. Lately, I think that they've been doing a really good job of, um, making it a watchable show. But at the same time, we're in a position where it's—I'm ah, not sure exactly. It, it's. I think that there's a lot of room for improvement, but at the same time, I think that like you said, firing on all, all cylinders. Uh the, the 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 comebacks of of CM Punk and Randy Orton and our truth, uh they're all <laughs> in their own specific ways a big deal, right? So I think that uh wrestling fans in general just need to kind of take a deep breath. And if you don't like the product, don't watch it. You yep. don't have to go after somebody because they do like the product either. Yep. That's it's so ridiculous. It's the same thing with sports teams. It's the same thing with um you know a- 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 everything in life, Marvel versus DC. It's all tribalism and it's all very, very silly. You know what's funny um, though? Just just on, on that same front.
1: Like, I think the tribalism in football is is different for the simple fact you have people going to a stadium and either they're a fan of this team or the, they're a fan of this team. And mm-hmm. so you have you have the, you know, on this side, we're fans of this team. On this side, we're fans of this team. But that's in every stadium that you go to. Now, when it right. comes to going to an AEW show or a WWE show, it's not the same where it's like, well, I'm fans of everything AEW or fans of everything WWE. Like, right? You there's heels, there's faces. You like the heels, you like the faces. It, it's not so dialed in to be just one thing. So when it comes to, to wrestling fans, the closest we have to that sports mentality is AEW. WWE, we're fans of the whole thing. We're going to show up for them. And that's the closest thing that we have in in pro, you know, in pro wrestling to, to
0: that, the way legit sports are handled. Well, talking about, um, both sides. We are going to talk about two giant pay-per-views that happened in the month of November. Uh, We're going to start with Full Gear because it came first. So without further ado, Jack, let's jump in. Uh, How did you enjoy Full Gear this year? I know sometimes you go to the movie theater, sometimes you watch it on your television, sometimes you're in a hotel room, and sometimes you're there in person. What was this experience for you? So an interesting thing about this, yes, usually I go to the
1: movie theater, so this time I I was on the fence. I said, you know what? No. Um, I don't think I'm gonna do it. And I'm sitting there, I said, but let me turn on the buy-in. So I turn on the buy-in and I watch it, and and it gets to the you know, the part with with uh, you know, MJF and Samoa Joe. And by the end of it, a pay per view that I said I was not buying, I'll look at the spoilers. By the end of it, I bought the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I bought it. I'm like, so I'm the person that wasn't going to watch it. Watch like, wait a minute. MJF is injured. What are they do? I'm expecting the devil to be paid off all of this. And with that, I gave him $50 right then and there. I'm in there. Let's do it. So, yes, I would say, and I know we're going to march through it match by match. By the time I got to the end of the pay-per-view, I wished that I did not purchase it just because the stuff that would, the stuff that was great about it, I was able to watch on YouTube like 30 minutes after. <laughs> right. So it's, I spent $50 to see it in real time. So 30 minutes later, I could have just watched the entire thing, but that's, that's an impulse buy. Oh, yeah. It got me at the checkout, at the checkout, the receipt cups. I got to do it. And that's what I did.
0: You know what when it comes to uh, AEW pay-per-views certainly I do purchase a lot of them but this was a month where I wasn't going to do it and I you know I I'm not proud of it but I I I caught a alternative uh uh way of purchase or of seeing this show and let's get right into it we both watched the buy in mm-hmm. uh Eddie Kingston defended his Ring of Honor World Championship against Jay Lethal uh what were your thoughts on this match it went 1055 like uh, actually, before you you get into that, I will say I, I thought this match was a lot more entertaining than I kind of expected it to be. I love Jay Lethal, I love Eddie Kingston, but this whole Jay Lethal group with Jarrett and Karen Jarrett and Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt, it is like I don't know how to do, I don't know what the right word is. Um, I kind of feel like I'm just over it. I I certainly. I see better things for Jay Lethal and I'm not really super high on the fact that this is the use that we're getting out of Jay Lethal right now. Certainly. I think that it's eventually going to lead to him going and striking out on his own. But at this point, Mm -hmm. at this point, I kind of wish he had already gone. What were your thoughts on the match? So
1: I actually did not catch that match when I turned it on. It was probably like 10 minutes to the MJF. So I know who won, but no, I didn't, I didn't see the match, but I, I agree with you when you talk about Jay-Lee though and just the the whole group. Like it's it's all an overbooked mess. Like whenever they whenever they're out there it's okay, here's the guitar, spy. Karen's going to do something. It's just a lot and it, it's it's too much talent within that group for them just to be kind of relegated to, you know, cheap heat. Like
0: yeah, 100%. Uh, I was going to ask you about the Claudio Castagnoli and Buddy Matthews match but you said you you missed that one too. Um my it's thoughts it. on this match were it delivered everything it was supposed to be, uh, just a great hard-hitting wrestling match between two guys who can absolutely go. Claudio beat Buddy mm-hmm. Matthews by submission in about 10 and a half minutes. Again, a, a good a good buy in match, pre-show match, whatever. A zero hour. I, I there's so many different variations of their their uh, <laughs> their pre shows, but um, I I don't know if Claudio needed this win more than Buddy Matthews needed this win, but uh, that's at this point neither here nor there. Um, and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of this buy-in, which was MJF uh, teaming with Samoa Joe to defend the Ring of Honor Tag mm-hmm. Titles against the Guns Austin and Colton Gunn. This match didn't even go ten minutes. Um, it it was was fine i i I mean i love watching samoa joe i love watching um mjf but i'll I'll say this this is what got into the mjf injury storyline that played out throughout the entire pay-per-view um Mm -hmm. Man, did I ever call what was going to happen when this all went down. After the match, the guns attacked MJF. Samoa Joe did not return to help him, which made zero sense. Instead, we got the return of Adam Cole, who, Mm -hmm. by all rights, has nothing going on in this and can't do anything to help MJF. So it led to MJF being carted off in a stretcher um and put into the back of an ambulance yelling and screaming at adam cole to make sure they don't take away his title um this is the beginning of like what i said was a show long storyline what were your thoughts on the match
1: so match was good it was about it was about what i expected you know when you got uh you know them on the same team you know can can get will there won't they will will joe turn on them all of that um but this this match is what inspired me to make the impulse buy. Not because the match was just the most incredible thing I'd ever seen, you know. But when Adam Cole came out, I'm like, huh. I think we may get some some um, finalization on the Devil storyline. So at that point, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna watch it because anything can happen. So the match was okay. The injury was weird. I just and and we'll talk about it more in depth. There was a lot of nonsensical things that happened after the injury angle, after going into the ambulance, after I pressed the button to pay fifty dollars for this pay-per-view. It was a lot of stuff that happened that by the end of that I was like, what did I just do?
0: Yeah. yeah, I I I'm kind of with you on that, even though I did not pay for it. Um <laughs> that ended our uh, zero hour experience, and we got right into the the first match of the main card: Sting, Darby Allen, and Adam Copeland, uh, accompanied by Ric Flair, uh, against the pa- pa- patriarchy of Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne. This match went fifteen minutes ten seconds. Uh, what were your thoughts on the in ring in this match?
1: I will tell you before we even get to the in ring. Oh, that's right. Oh.
0: That's right. Oh, Christian
1: Cage. Oh, just coming out with the choir wearing turtlenecks. Yes. That is, that is the greatest thing. The fact that an entire children's choir had on turtlenecks, like that'll bring a tear to a glass eye, buddy. It was great. It was great. It was great. And just as far as, as far as the match, man, I think Christian is doing the best work of his career. I've never been a huge Christian guy until what I'm watching him do now. I'm like, he's been underrated for a long time because he is by far to me probably the most entertaining <laughs> on AEW. I mean everything he does is just completely ridiculous so match was good just the fact that they had enough it and this is this is long-term storytelling they didn't let edge get his no. hands on no christian. they did not <laughs> like like that this is what some people came into the pay-per-view ready for oh i can't wait as soon as he gets them. it happen. christian over the over the, the barricade and out for his team to lose and only for him to come back and, and then scald the team for losing. Like it's great. Christian is great. we we're, we're watching the final moments of the Sting retirement tour. Um why was Ric Flair out there? I don't know. Because he needed to be <laughs> but yeah, I I enjoyed match one. Match one, I did not regret spending the fifty dollars yet. I'll tell you when I was ready, it, it wouldn't match more.
0: Okay, I'm excited to hear when that moment comes. Uh, I thought that the entrance to with Sting, Darby Allin, and Adam Copeland was also really well done. Uh, I liked Adam Copeland kind of leaning into the fact that this is his only opportunity pretty much to, to team with uh, a legend like Sting. So you might as well go all out and do the face paint and everything else. So I thought that that was a lot of fun. It was a good six-man tag to open the show Lots of craziness and and like you said, they're definitely not paying off your your Adam Copeland and Christian Cage feud just yet. The time will tell. And Luchasaurus is no longer Luchasaurus, he's kill switch now. So that's the fallout of this. Um moving on, Orange Cassidy, who was accompanied to the ring by Hook, uh had his second match with John Moxley for the AEW International Championship. Uh they had Orange Cassidy go over in this match. Uh look, I I had high praise for their first match at at uh All Out in September. Mm-hmm. I thought that, that definitely a contender for match of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh this one did not reach the same level for me. Um however, I mean still a, a very good singles match between the two of them. I think that those two are definitely made to work with one another. Um it just didn't get to the same level that um the original match did for me. What were your thoughts?
1: And I'm I'm of the type where uh, I understand not every match is supposed to be that knockdown drag out. Like, they had a main event style match when they were in the main event. And I think they delivered. This didn't have to deliver the same thing. But right. we got a chance to see Orange Cassidy defeat John Moxley clean in the middle and for his championship reign he needed that win he needed that win because of the loss regardless of all the stuff that happened after the loss he needed to beat moxley head up in the middle it didn't have to be hardcore didn't have to be the greatest match in the world but it was serviceable orange cassidy avenged that loss now, I'm just like, what's next? Where, where, where are we going? Because I don't want to just stay in this bubble. Because people want to cheer Orange Cassidy. They want to cheer John Moxley. What are we
0: doing? Absolutely. Um, next match was Timeless Tony Storm uh, facing off against Hikaru Shida for the AEW Women's World Championship. Tony Storm goes over with some nefarious acts at the end um, and get, be, uh, ties Hikaru Shida for a record of three-time AEW Women's World Champion. Um this match was okay. Also, do not feel like it got to the next level. I feel like these two have had better matches against one another before. Although I feel like this has just kind of been uh, this was a setup to get the belt back on Tony Storm. The timeless character is a hit with almost everybody right now and Hikaru Shida unfortunately like she's had some good title defenses in her third reign but like it never really felt like the, the championship reign was taking off. It always, for me, kind of felt like she was a placeholder mm-hmm. until they figured out what they were going to do next. And I think with how over the timeless character has gotten, they decided pretty quickly. What were your thoughts?
1: Um, I, I, there's great character work with Tony Storm. And that's what I'm loving right now, like just the way she goes about things. Like she is doing great character work. So I knew based on the story nine times out of ten she was going to win it. I just needed to see how they were going to do it. Um, but I and I'm not that familiar. Maybe you are with um the person that was in the back. I guess she came from Stardom, maybe to AEW. Yeah. I'm not, Mariah
0: May. Yes, yes I'm not super
1: familiar with her. You would have to give me some backstory. Yeah, the match the, the match was good and it was it was nice to see Tony do that type of character work and go over and, and get just past for whatever reason the women's wrestling in AEW is in a weird place. It's like let's focus on that and not some of the other stuff. So happy to see her win. I enjoyed the match. I love the timeless Tony Storm character. But yeah, I'm not really familiar with um her new Patriot.
0: I I I couldn't tell you that I really am super uh familiar with her either. I've heard lots of positive things, but that's a wait and see type situation, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, the next match, Ricky Starks and Big Bill defending the AEW tag titles against Roosh and Drillistico, FTR, and the Kings of the Black Throne, consisting of Malachi Black and Brody King. This was a uh, four way ladder match for the tag titles. This match was a lot of fun. It was everything you expect a ladder match with these kind of workers to be. I think that we are in an era where the ladder match has been done to death and that, um, it's hard to top the last ladder match you saw. So, not to say that this wasn't a good match, the crowd was into it. They, these guys did a lot of crazy stuff. Um, but I just think that. It was definitely overshadowed by the time this this pay per view was uh, ended, and I'm not sure what's going on with Ricky Starks and Big Bill being the tag champions. Like they don't want a t shirt, they don't want a tag team t- uh, tag team name, they don't want to be anything more than two singles guys holding the tag belts. And with a, such a rich division of great tag teams that AEW has, why we're going this direction? I have no idea if it's a, if it's a way to get. Ricky Starks the championship and keep him on TV. I can see that but I just feel like there's more you can do with this guy and honestly he's another guy who I think come contract ending time he's going to be somebody who may be WWE bound Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought from, from, from
1: the, from the first time I really laid eyes on him, he's like, yeah, he's, he's tailor made, uh, for the, for the WWE. Uh, you know, just, just with the talking ability, the wrestling ability, I think maybe he's another glaring omission from the tournament. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I, 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 I'm sure that there's somebody that I could think that I would switch out for him in a, in a, in a heartbeat. But of course, us not knowing what's happening with the, with the, I mean, Ricky Starks and Big Bill, I think they they could... There's something weird. It's hard to even really describe it, just even from their promos. Like, there's something strange about the union now that didn't keep the match from being great. And like you said, it's all of those great workers and all of these wrestling matches, and I think we are, in, in this day and age, we have an embarrassment of riches. And When it comes to big spots in matches, we've seen so many that in some instances we're almost on the sidelines just waiting, okay? They pulled out the really big ladder. He flipped off the really big ladder through the table. Okay, what's next? What's next? And it's like, man, there was a time when throwing Mick Foley off the top was like, like that's to this day. And now it's like we are in a place where There's so much of that, and in this show, so much of that, that by the end of the show, great things that they did in that match would be overshadowed by brutality and and a bunch of other stuff. But I truly enjoyed the match. Don't really know where they're going with with Big Bill, Um, but, you know, I I did enjoy the match.
0: Yeah, and I'm with you. I I enjoyed it, but it just, when I think about this pay-per-view beginning to end, this is not the match that stands out to me. We'll, we're going to get there. Julia Hart, um, Chris Statlander, and Sky Blue had, I th- what I think, was the better women's match on this card. I think that it's a match of the year contender in the women's division, um, because, I mean, I don't follow a lot of WWE, but I haven't seen a lot from their side of it either that <clears throat> has been super great. Although, man, Charlotte and Rhea, like, it's going to be tough to beat that one. That being said though, um, I thought that, like I said, this was a better match for the women in in AW than the uh, the women's world title match. I thought that Julia Hart and Sky Blue both stood out. I thought Chris. I always thought Chris Statlander has been great. Uh, somebody in, on our uh, Wallet Media group chat uh, had mentioned that they're kind of tossing this title around. I don't see it that way with this title. I think that's more of a thing with the women's world championship. Definitely, it's been on uh, multiple different people within the last few months, and I mean, like, it's hard to believe that. Soraya was the women's world champion a few months ago, because she has not been there since, and nothing has really come of the fact that she lost the title. Um, They put Julia Hart over in this match. I thought that was the right decision. Chris Statlander, while is a perfectly fine champion and defends the title just fine in great matches, Julia Hart is a character right now that is super over and she's done a lot of work to improve her in-ring game. I love the moonsault. I love the submission. I love the look. So I'm all for Julia Hart going over in this match. I thought Sky Blue, again, looked great. She she continues to improve every week. Um, what were your thoughts? Yeah, uh,
1: Julia Hart is somebody that was not even on my radar, you know, uh, the, the first couple of years. But to see what she's done with House of Black, I think they went with the right finish with this. Um, You can see Sky Blue sort of, kind of coming over. You know, they're not giving you everything uh, at the top of it. We don't know what's happening, but you can see something happening. I love Julia Hart's entrance. I love the music. I love the the look, like her standing on that middle rope in a trance, just kind of singing, like almost trying to take you out of your TV. So, yeah. Now, Stat, Chris Statlander. Man, Chris Statlander is a really interesting person. Like from the sign language stuff to some of the promos she cuts, I'm I tr- I'm trying to understand who Chris Statlander is. I don't have no idea. It she is a strange bird, and you know it's good that they gave the equity of being the first one to beat jay cargill on her way out so hopefully there's something to be said for that but yeah man chris statlander is um not 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 my cup of tea i'm still trying to understand it but i love the match julia hart killed it and i'm hoping that she gets to have a run with it
0: absolutely Absolutely. Alright, Um, in between these matches, uh, we had the announcement that Will Ospreay had signed with AEW and was all elite. He comes out to a glorious reaction. Um, He basically states that while he is signed with AEW, he does have dates to finish up in Japan, and that he hopes that the crowd will accept the fact that while he's all elite, he's not all elite yet. His contract with Japan runs out in February, uh, beginning of February, so... It's probably going to be until then, till we see this guy on TV. Uh, he was a guy who I thought for sure would have been great for the Continental Classic, but I can understand how he's got a big match coming up at Wrestle Kingdom, and I'm sure a bunch of other stuff to finish up over there. Um, what are your thoughts with the Will Osprey signing? Is it, is it as big of a deal uh, with him not going to WWE as some people make it out to be?
1: Um and how old is he? Do you do do you remember? 30. Is he 30? thirty? Thirty. So at thirty, um, no. I think he's gonna give AEW usually it seems like their contract is what about three years? It did seem like for the most part. I think he's gonna give AEW a great three years, and then we'll see him in WrestleMania. I, I think, you know, and man, it's such an embarrassment of riches, how many great workers in in and, and just Man, like, it's so many people. I'm like, he's going to main event WrestleMania one day. He's going to main event, and he's definitely going to main event WrestleMania one day. Um, I think that the, the strategy to bring him in, the way that they went about doing it, I think for some people, depending on how tapped in you are, it's like, oh, we've already seen him on AEW TV. So it's not like we were getting Randy Orton walking out and his it, mind's blown. It's like, oh, okay. Just like Cody and Bushi. like we've seen him a bunch of times. Right. Oh yeah, now he's all elite. Like, okay, we uh, we we kind of already thought he was, even if it was just a handshake deal. But I think a lot of it had to do with them wanting to announce that he will be there for the, you know, for all in 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 Wembley. I think the tickets going on stale. I think all of this. Was as premature as it seems, and it seems like there's so much of a better way to get here. I think a lot of this just had to do with them trying to get the word out to fans. He is signed with us, so right. enjoy him at Russell Kingdom. No, after that, he's ours. So when we get back, there's a good chance he's headlining. and I think that's what happened. So there were there were other ways to announce it. I think sometimes Tony Khan and his big announcements, uh. Boy. (laughs) But, you know, what he said was he's going to sign a wrestler that is universally loved and
0: respected. That is what he did. Absolutely. Uh, Is this a big loss for WWE?
1: No. I don't think it's a big loss for WWE because I think similar to um, Jay Cargill, I think, I don't think WWE. And maybe the Triple H era is a lot going to be a lot different. But I don't think WWE is super tapped in with what they're doing in New Japan. So I think the powers that be in WWE are going to get to watch Will Osprey audition for WrestleMania for the next three years. <laughs> next three years, we're getting to see an audition. So when that three years is up, I am almost certain. Will Ospreay will be coming over and at that point he's only 33 if you think about uh, AJ Styles in some ways that's kind of what happened so after these three years of, of Will Ospreay working with the best workers in the world that AEW has to offer when he comes to WWE it's gonna be epic and it won't be like you know Jay Cargill coming in. They start showing her, but now it's like, okay, well she has stuff to work on. And in so many words, that's what Triple said at the press conference. Right? Look, we gave her a look. We brought it in. Now she got to work. When when he comes over, we don't got to worry about that. He going straight to the top of the card. Watch this audition next three years. Watch what I tell you.
0: All right, I, I, I like that. I, I see. For me, I don't know if even after three years this guy should leave AEW. Reason being is because right now, like you said, WWE doesn't need a Will Ospreay. And I don't know if in three years they're going to need a Will Ospreay. However... I think Will Ospreay finally being in a North American company is going to make AEW a better destination for some of these guys on the indie scene and for some of the guys in the WWE who aren't exactly getting the rub that they could be getting and aren't exactly getting the push that they could be getting. Most notably for me, Ricochet. If Will Ospreay's going over to AEW, come contract time for Ricochet, does he decide, maybe I should go over there and have a few of those banger matches that we know we can have together, and now that we're both older and more seasoned and understand the game a little bit better, can we put on a better match than we did all those years ago when people were talking about them?
1: You shut up and take my money.
0: (laughs) Wherever they do it, I'm there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, this is the match that I've been looking forward to talking about the most. Um, I'm so disappointed that uh, Kyle hasn't seen this yet. But I'm happy that you have. I'm happy that you have. Swerve Strickland, accompanied to the ring by Prince Nana and Hangman Adam Page in a Texas death match. Jack holy fuck this match was insanity from the get-go hangman doesn't even wait for his entrance to come out a brawl starts he hits the uh the buckshot larry right off the hop and that's when this started to get fucking gross um yeah so we have let's let's run through the spots quick and then i'll let you have open have open season on this match um swerve with an all-time blade job, an all-time blade job on his forehead, starts gushing blood. We get the, uh, the staple gun right off the hop where uh, Hangman is just stapling things to him, including a finger painting from his son. Because Let, let's not forget, let's not forget that the story going into this was Swerve Strickland invaded Hangman's home, stood above his son's crib, and basically threatened to kidnap his son, but then ultimately just threw a T-shirt at him and left. Um, I have a son. If anyone ever came into my home and threatened my son, I can't argue that I think a staple gun would be necessary. Not sure if I drink his blood. Not sure about that. But, okay, so then we we get get into that spot, of course, where after the staple gun is used... Swerve is just leaning on the ground. Hangman rolls under him, uh, takes some of his blood in his mouth, spits it out Triple H style. This leads into Swerve grabbing the staple gun himself, stapling himself while smiling maniacally at the camera, which I think is an all-time moment for just uh, visuals in pro wrestling. Uh, Let's see, we had the barbed wire chair with Hangman up on the top rope, where from one angle, all it looked like was that barbed wire got caught in his hair, but upon the replay... Uh, the slow motion replay. You realize the barbed wire wrapped around Hangman's face and tugged him down as it was happening. We had the barbed wire board. We had broken glass, pile driver on the uh, the um, the barricade on the outside. Okay, uh, I I feel like I've a uh, cinder block. Uh, I, I feel like I've kind of talked about the big spots in this match. Give me your thoughts on this one. So,
1: oh my God, this. I got, I got a lot of, I got a lot of thoughts. I think <clears throat> number one, what does a match have to look at look like if someone has walked into your home and threatened your child, and essentially gave the child a shirt? So now the child is a Swerve fan, I would guess. We <laughs> see the,
0: I, <laughs> the I, don't how, I don't know how that you felt, but Swerve. Swerve. when this match was over, I think everyone in the arena was a Swerve fan.
1: Yeah, that look that that would be a swerve, you know. And and just before I go into it, Prince Nana. Oh, oh God, my
0: God so we
1: good. are not worthy. <laughs> Prince Nana, look, I had no idea who Prince Nana was prior to him coming to AEW because I was not a huge Ring of Honor guy. Oh, Prince Nana is entertaining, buddy, yep. in every sense of the word. Um, you know, looking at, looking at, they, I love how they, how they started. Like you couldn't have an angle like this and start with a collar and elbow tie up. Like, come on (laughs) now we need to get the business. They got the business. Um, I think I loved the staple spot because it was a direct callback. So you're going to walk in my house and rip my kids Stuff off the refrigerator now, look here, I brought it back to you staple right there in your jaw. love that piece of it. It was great um the 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 most controversial spot that 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 people talk about the blood spot man uh so his hands were for anybody that didn't see it his hands were um bound together by tape. right at me you know meaning meaning swerves. You know, I'm I'm a stickler for stuff making sense, and and as we go through it, I'll be highlighting other stuff. I hate when when a wrestler does something or slow with a spot, and now somebody has to essentially kind of wait for you, and now you're just so you you hear me say that. I think the blood spot was one of those spots. Now, okay, when we talk about a a blade job, all time classic. We all know the crimson mask is big because it's, you got, you got blood, you got sweat, it mixes in. Swerve's blade job was so disgusting. The blood congealed on his forehead. So not the crimson mask. You see like the, ge- the congealed blood and it, it was disgusting when he laid down to get the blood. It took because you're waiting for these drops of blood, he kind of had to wait. And in a way, Swerve kind of had to, you know, hype it to where, okay, let me get it. Make sure he like that took me out the match. Not only was it disgusting, because that's probably one of the more disgusting things I've ever seen in pro wrestling. And I've seen a lot. <laughs> I've seen so so I mean that's I, it I I get why they did it. It was a, a a crazy visual. it was a you know purple H style callback. but I think with this match and this and some are saying that this is the best Texas death match that they've ever seen. and I think there are certain elements of it that are oh my God, were hands down now my one of my big problems with a match like this is how do you come back? and pin somebody with a regular finishing move when a cinder block didn't take them out. A barbed wire chair didn't take them out. Glass, like all of the insane stuff that they did kicking out or standing up, like all of that stuff, all of that. And none of that took them out. It's like, if you're looking at it from the purpose of somebody, what you don't want to be is taken out of the match. You know, like you don't want to go to a Marvel movie and the green screen pops up like this. Like, ah, I was such a good immersive experience. You don't want to be taken out of it. And when Swerve is laying and letting the blood drip into his mouth, like it was disgusting. But when I talk about hard hitting, like, man, hard hitting, hard hitting. It just going for in like in a in a vacuum, you look at it one way. But then when you look at it as it relates to the rest of the show that you're going to watch, how do you come back from a regular finishing move when they came back several times from essentially hell? (laughs) So it was a classic match. I think it was overbooked, especially, I don't understand why Brian Cage came in. I have no idea. And I have no idea why he did that. You know, uh, uh, you already got Prince Nana out. Prince Nana could have done a low blow, whatever the case may be. But it looks silly because if Brian Cage could have came out at any point, why would you wait till Swerve is almost dead? Like, we could have started right there and we'd have never got there. So, like, that piece of it, it's like, why would we? Why would they send Brian Cage out? I think Brian Cage, he didn't have any place in this match whatsoever. And I think that they had done such a disgusting masterpiece that having brian cage nonsensically come out and just jump in it it made no sense and it was he It took away from a match that you know is definitely an all-time classic a match that i would show to people if and that's not to say the wrestling's real but watch this. This would be my counterpoint. Like we used to be Mick Foley going up the cage. Now I'm like, no, watch this match. Like you watch this, it shell shocks you. So it was a great match. It was a, a little overbooked when you had people coming in the match, but uh, it was, it was an absolute
0: spectacle
1: and it is a match. I will never forget where I was when I saw it
0: absolutely 100% with you on that uh, another match of the year candidate for me um my thing with this one i 100% agree with you about the brian cage thing because i had i've watched it twice now and i forgot about that spot and you're right it didn't make much sense for him to just kind of come out of nowhere and and whatever um, i think when in regards to placement on this card this should have been the main event because you're 100% right in a fa- in the fact that how do you watch two other matches after this one and with especially with one of them being your world title match how do you take it all in and enjoy it after you've seen something so devastating like that we'll go back to for a second to that blood spot um i've never seen, heard 13,000 people go uh? at once like and that's exactly what happened and Everyone thought that that was disgusting, and I, I mean, I, I don't have much more to say about this match other than one of the best 30 minutes of wrestling I've seen all year, maybe in my entire life. And for the people who don't think this is the best um, Texas death match ever, I argue when it comes to being on the biggest stage you can possibly be for this style of match, I don't know how you top that, honestly. Because... Let me ask you this. Should it have been 30 minutes? Absolutely. Should have went 30 minutes, but it should have been in the main event. I'm okay yeah, with, I'm just, okay with the time. I agree. I,
1: I, I agree with what you're saying. 100%. If they switch that, I think we're having a totally different conversation. Cause they were going to shut the show down. Oh they yeah. Closed it, I'm mm-hmm. like,
0: yeah. Following the, the next match after that was the golden jets, Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, uh, going, uh, in a tag team match against the young bucks. Um, the, the winner of this match was going, or sorry, if uh, the Golden Jets won this match, they would get the Young Bucks tag team title opportunity. Um, They had the unfortunate spot of being the match directly after the death match. It's a hard spot to be in, but um, these are four pros and they're four big names in the company. They did not have the crowd for the beginning of the match. By the end of it, I think they got some of the crowd back. But after what they just saw, again, what it comes down to is how do you top that? And I don't think I I don't think anything on this card topped that, but um, they had a, a difficult job. I think they did it. Match is entertaining. The Bucks are going in a, obviously a heel direction, and we're going to see that kind of start to blossom over the next few weeks. Um, Jericho and Omega go over and then get a tag team title opportunity. That's interesting, but. Yeah, I just I'm kind of over all this Don Callis stuff. I'm over all of uh, all of what the Bucks and Jericho and Kenny Omega are doing right now. I just kind of want it all to be poof gone, and for them to all have like a fresh start. Looks like the Young Bucks are going to get that with their heel characters and their new group. Uh, I would like to see Jericho and uh, and Omega split. Like, I just I don't see them as a necessary tag team. Maybe it's good for them both being Winnipeggers, and as a Winnipegger myself, like. I, I do appreciate seeing these guys get an opportunity to go out and have some cool tag matches, but on this card, it just felt like kind of like a, a match.
1: What were your thoughts? Can you, can you explain the golden jets to me? And okay. I was really trying
0: to, yeah. Can you explain that? So, uh, the Winnipeg jets are our hockey team. And in the seventies, we had a player or er, a named Bobby hall. He called himself the golden jet. However, Jericho had made reference to this uh, in the press conference after the last pay-per-view where they had named the team. Bobby Hall has a bad record of not only racism, but of alcoholism and everything else. They have not brought him up since. Wow. So the Golden Jets being the name, I think just as a throwback to the fact that that was one of our big hockey players, but his name has not been brought up on their programming since that moment.
1: I want you to know that you just you just saved the name of that team for me because I have never I'm like Golden Jets because I know him and Kota Bushy are the Golden lovers, which okay, (laughs) but then it's like Golden Jets. I'm like, what is their obsession with Golden? But okay, now you have brought it full circle. Now I understand. So I think you just made a, a great point about trying to get the crowd back, and I think it's a testament to them. That by the time they got to the spot where it's is he gonna do the move on on uh on um uh Jericho, or is he gonna do the move on one of the young bucks? By the time you get there, you got us. Right. So, like even if somebody wasn't was just kind of, you know, just kind of paying attention right then and there. But that is the great thing about a truly great pro wrestler, is they know how to take those moments and they know how to put those moments in a match to give you enough time to register and say, what is he about to do? Cause he could have went anywhere. Right. And it was a moment, you know, we'll get to with Randy Orton once he got into the cage and we'll get to that moment too. But it's just that moment of slowing it down for a second and letting the crowd register. Wait a minute. Who's he going to hit? Like that brought everybody back into it. Um, I'm guessing they're going with the Bucks is heels, man. I just, I I don't, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Like I I don't really know if the Bucks are inspired, if they're uninspired, if they want to be there anymore, if they are hard to read. Uh, yeah. You know, Jericho's always going to be Jericho. Kenny Omega, the best bout machine. Once again, how do you leave him out of the tournament? Maybe it's because they know what's about to happen. I just I do not understand. But as a match, I thought by the end of the match, it was better than I expected it to be because I didn't really expect a whole lot from it. So by the by the end of it, when they got me and I'm like, oh, what's he about to do? you know yep sucker they got me so yeah the match was better than i expected it to be but boy it came in a tough place in the court
0: mm-hmm. and i mean uh, all the credit to the, the four big you know vets in the company taking that spot and realizing that they were going to need something to go after that and they probably were in the best position to make it not die yep finally we get to the main event mjf defending the title against jay white um Here's the thing. So we didn't talk about it earlier, but during the program, we had Adam Cole come out and state that he had gone to the back to Tony Khan and while MJF was at the hospital and, de- and and he had convinced him to let him take this title match and he would defend the title for MJF. Now, I just want to start by saying that he's on fucking crutches and they had just talked about how he had had two surgeries and it made zero sense for Tony Khan to agree to this. It's so ridiculous. That's that's the first point. Second point, once we finally got to the match itself, Adam Cole comes out not in his gear. Uh, I, I guess he just figured the shorts and the t-shirt would do. He's still on crutches. And... The biggest wrestling trope in the world when somebody's sent to the hospital is them then coming back by stealing the ambulance they were taken away in. And that's exactly what they delivered. For a company like AEW that doesn't rely on a lot of these wrestling tropes, I was kind of disappointed that they just gave me exactly what I thought was going to happen and didn't try and swerve us in any way, shape, or form. You're right when you said earlier that this pay-per-view looked like the perfect place to decide who the devil was and and show us who the devil was didn't happen um and we and we have to continue to speculate about that however one name is no longer in that speculation so we'll talk about that later um the match itself was fine I'm not a huge Jay White guy. I love MJF. Once he So the, the story goes, MJF returned in the ambulance. He made sure that Adam Cole did not have to defend this title. Uh, 25 guys tried to hold MJF back while uh, Adam Cole was on crutches in the ring going, maybe someone should try and stop me. Which his girlfriend then pointed out on Twitter, which was hilarious. Um the match itself was fine. Uh, big spots in the match. Uh, MJF was uh, he tried to put Jay White on the table. The table, I guess, had seen enough damage that night and just folded completely yeah. over. Uh, then MJF had go- and decided anyway to just go to the top rope and hit an elbow drop to the floor, which, according to reports, did nothing for MJF, but pop his hip out. And <laughs> he's looking like he's going to be even more injured going into this next pay-per-view. This match... It was fine. I thought it was going to deliver a lot more. It didn't for me. Again, having to follow that death match was a task. And I think that there's only so much you can do when you're trying to sell a story of a guy with a bum knee trying to t- trying to keep his t- or get his title back from the guy who stole it from him, which was a silly storyline to do with these two to begin with. I was never a fan of it. Um... And and yeah, like the match just kind of under delivered for me, and that, ladies and gentlemen, was AEW full gear. I'm gonna go thumbs up, but it's leaning towards the middle. It's leaning towards the middle. What are you gonna give it? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle? No. Oh.
1: So so do you
0: want me to recap? Oh, sorry. Yeah the match the match itself. Sorry. <laughs>
1: so um, boy, I I think the the First of all, we talk about the troops, and and I guess we should just be happy the lights didn't go out and come back on at some point because you know that's the Tony Khan special boy. Lights going out, coming back on. Um, it was it him coming back in that ambulance. It was nonsensical, but it's pro wrestling. You know, I was hoping. Sometimes I just hope that. AW is not going to be derivative. I, like sometimes you just you see it there, and in some moments, in some moments, and, and, and I'll tell you what I think. Just really, and this even goes back to all in with them. Like they they had so many moments of trying to explain what this what this story is with MJF and Adam Cole, and I, to this moment. I I I wonder if M, if Adam Cole's injury is what has completely changed this babyface turn. Like I have no idea, but to watch this match and to see the whole Adam Cole coming out without wrestling gear, like none of that made any sense, especially when you got. 50 people trying to drag MJL and MJL back to the back, like, no, you can't do this. You can't compete. Like, that was so nonsensical. And Tony Khan is so, he's such a smart dude. And I know, I just know that it didn't make sense. So now when you get to the actual nuts and bolts of the match, um they went 30 minutes. And did that 30 minutes bury Jay White? Now. I, if not, I don't see a lot of New Japan stuff. You know, I, I watch it when it's Wrestle, Wrestle Kingdom time. So I'm familiar. You know, I'm familiar with, with the most I've saw of Jay White has been on AEW television. So whatever he's done on AEW television, that is what I know of. him. So you have so many people like, oh, he's such a bigger star. Like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm trying to get there. But him still in that belt, number one. You know, it wasn't a great omen, especially to steal it for the entire length of time for the match. That kind of telegraph, he's not stealing it to win the belt. Like, I kind of got that. When you look at the actual match, it becomes nonsensical because MJF is going from, you know, the, the crying leg hurting selling To okay, I'm better and I'm fighting from underneath, and it's just so much of that. Now, once again, now at this point during this match, is when I'm like, I cannot believe I spent $50 on it. I told you it was coming during the match. That's what I'm saying. And now, I went when 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 he did this, the the RKO spot, hopping over like, there's so many things that MJF, I think he's such a smart pro wrestler because he has so much in his repertoire that he does not bastard out and just pull it out randomly. Right. Like, every so often, you'll see, like, what? Did MJF just do a Fallsberry flop? Like, who knew that he could do that? I didn't. So you're getting to see some of that stuff. So in this match, in a a mix of him trying to sell, a mix of him trying to have a match, you got Jay White is 100% healthy. If you cannot beat this man when he is 100% healthy, what are we doing? And even worse, Adam Cole on the outside of the ring. Now, once again, something is going to pay off tonight, and that's what I'm thinking. And they gave you so many moments, like Adam Cole has the belt. I'm like, okay, this is what we waiting on. He go hit MJF with the belt. No, here's the thing with the like all of the stuff, all of the tropes, and sometimes AEW is able to take advantage of the fact that. WWE has so many tropes to the point where, you know, a wrestler runs into the other wrestler and now it's like, oh, did you want to fight me? Like, no. sometimes it just happens, but I'm watching and I'm like, at some point we're going to get the payoff and it never came. And then it ended. And I'm like, okay, cool. Adam Cole is going to take off the cast and BMJ up there. Nope. Show goes off. You never pay it off. So not only did you do this storyline with, with Jay White still in the belt for a month, that was already what that was. But now you have this match where you have driven back in this ambulance to have a match that was decent. MJF is not going to have a bad match. It no. was decent from a psychology standpoint. It was decent. It was selling sometimes like, a, I'll sell that in a few more minutes. So like some sometimes that was, but... I say the same thing I said about their match in Wembley, where it's like the whole time I'm like, here it is. Here's the turn. Here's the turn. It never comes. And now you sit there and you feel almost empty because it's like, what's happening now? I'm going to take it a step further. Did you watch the press conference?
0: Uh, Yeah, I've seen I saw bits and pieces of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. I, I would, for the
1: life of me, number one, I was, when the show went off, I was like, I can't believe that this was the ending. When MJF came into that press conference legitimately crying, like legitimately crying and saying how much he loves and respects AEW. And he did slip up in the press conference because he said, while I was in the back watching the swerve match, no, you should have been in the MLAPs. You was not in the back watching the match. So he slipped up in the press conference when he said that. But, you know, just to see him crying and just talking about the passion of AEW wrestlers and how much they want to be, you know, number one and everything that's happening. He puts the company on the back and he's crying. And I'm like, how am I supposed to feel about MJF? Am I supposed to feel like he is this great mastermind heel is he a baby face that is trying to find his way i have never been so confused and when mjf started i would have put my money that he was going to be the best heel in the wrestling business business period bar none and i don't know where we're at with that now i'm confused and almost I almost feel sorry. And that's the last thing. You want to feel something for wrestlers. You don't want to sit there and watch somebody feel sorry. And it's like, MJF is too great a worker. He's too great on the microphone for me to, like, eh, okay.
0: Yeah. That was a lot, but yeah. You know what? Uh, This pay-per-view itself was just, it, it felt like, honestly, there were moments it felt like a very long edition of Dynamite. Um, There was nothing super special about it, with the exception of Julia Hart going over and and winning the TBS uh, championship. Nothing really came of it that was super substantial outside of Swerve getting this fantastic performance out of Hangman Page, and almost, like, in that match, I did notice that at the end, he threatened to Kidnapped this man's child, and the people were cheering for him by the end of it. So while I don't think it, it tells was, you a yeah, lot, yeah, <laughs> I I don't think it necessarily was a double turn, but it was almost. Um, we gotta we gotta keep going. We are we are definitely into it right now. We have Survivor Series still left to talk about. So, Jack, this one is a little bit more fresh in our minds because this match happened or this pay per view happened just this past weekend. So I'm just going to pull down the match card here. It's a much smaller match card, too. So I feel like yes. a lot of this will be able to get through pretty quickly. Um, so the pay-per-view opened. Uh, the pre-show didn't have any matches, so there was nothing really of note except for the fact that they kept them outside in this Chicago weather, which was a choice. A choice. Yeah. Uh, the main card opened with... Um, the Women's War Games match, which, which consisted of Team Bianca, Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, Shotzi, and Becky Lynch going over the damage control, which is Bailey, Asuka, Io Sky, Kyrie Sane, with accompanied by Dakota Kai. Uh, they won this match after what looked to be just a spot heavy, lots of plunder. Um, I think standout performance for Bailey in this match. I thought she did great. Um, everybody else just kind of like. Did did their thing. It's a war games. War games matches are, are difficult because the match doesn't fully start until everyone's actually in there. So you have to be able to keep somebody's attention for that like what 20 minutes or so that it takes to get everybody mm-hmm. in there. Yep. It was okay. It didn't really knock my socks off. And I I I just I don't know. I think that the but the lady certainly tried hard. Uh, I was interesting to to note for me that this was um, I, eos Sky's fifth War Games match. She's been in every WWE iteration of the match, and Charlotte Flair's first, which was two interesting facts mm-hmm. that came out of it. Um, like I said, like there, some of the spots in this match, Becky and Charlotte coming together for a hug in the middle of it just felt like is this really what we should be doing in a war games match? Like this, this match has such a legend of being a violent, destructive match. And they stopped in the middle of it to have a hug and to, I guess, show that they're reunited, which I mean, no argument the crowd popped for, but, but... you know what? They had to do it, right?
1: Cause you gotta give the people what they want.
0: Yeah, okay. I guess so.
1: <laughs> what were
0: your thoughts on this match?
1: So, uh I think number one, from a psychology standpoint, They did the the a poll so the baby faces got the advantage, which as we know war games is it you never want to feel bad for for you know the heels. Um it just is as far as the match and as far as what they pulled off. I like the fact that damage control came out, you know, with the mask on. They seemed like much more of a team. I think out of everybody, I think. I was the most shocked. You know how they have one of these things aren't like the others? I'm looking at everybody in this match and I'm like, Shotzi, should Shotzi be in there? I will tell you, I'm not a huge Shotzi fan, <laughs> but Shotzi had a standout performance in that match. By the end of it, I'm like, Shotzi. Hey. <laughs> Uh, like she, I mean, because I was not excited about seeing Shotzi in that match in the least bit, but she had a standout performance. Uh, You know, Bianca Belair with, with the hair, you know, it was a few good spots. Um, You know, the spot of going to the top with the trash can and falling off. And see, th- that's one of the things, you never want to break the immersive experience. Right. You never right. want to have somebody go up to, the, to do the spot. And everybody that's waiting for the spot has to stand there for an unnecessarily long time, and you can't really do anything you kind of take take people out of it, and that happened in both matches, but you know, I thought that the women did all right um you know they used all of the gimmicks that you would expect them to use. Uh, I, like I said, it was, it was, it was different to have the faces get the, um, get the advantage. Dakota Kai, is she injured? Was there a reason why?
0: Yeah. yeah she, she's been okay. injured for quite some time. I think that she's not due back till, uh, just after the new year.
1: Okay. Okay. But yeah, so, so just to, to see the match and to see the, the, the baby faces go over, like it was, a, it was a, it was a good match. It was a good opener.
0: And, you know, we, we still had room to climb. Absolutely. Um, I think for me, uh, another thing in this match was, like you mentioned, the baby faces went over. But well, I'll, I'll let's I'll get into the rest of it, and I'll maybe I'll explain this point after after we complete the pay per view. Um, Gunther defended his Intercontinental Championship against the Miz. Uh, Gunther pulled out, which what, what was you know like probably one of the best Miz matches I've seen in a long time. They gave these guys just over 12 minutes. Um, Gunther's entertaining to watch. He's been great as the Intercontinental Champion. I questioned putting The Miz in this position, but like I said, I I think that The Miz is a guy who, if he's in there with the right guy, can have standout performances as well. Gunther's certainly a guy who pulled something out of him that I haven't seen in a long time. I love seeing the Lion Tamer finish him too. I thought that that was great. Uh, What were your thoughts on Gunther and Miz?
1: I thought look, looking at the build, um, there, there's always been a criticism about the Mills that he's soft style. You know, Mills wrestles a style where he can keep doing it. He's not going to get injured. He's not going to crazily overexert himself. So, just I loved in the build the moment where they were both cutting promos. And like what Gunther said was, Man, sometimes you cut too close to the bone. It's like you were a nerd who liked watching wrestling and you got to be a wrestler. And then all of the wrestlers that you looked up to thought you were a nerd and you overcame all of that. Like he cut too close to the bone because essentially that is kind of what happened. I think going into the match, the the only thing I'm thinking, and Gunther is known for having hard hidden matches. So for me, it's like, is the Miz is going to have a Gunther match. I don't think so. And I knew by the end of it, when I looked at the Miz's chest, I said, oh, yep, nope. No, he didn't he, have a Gunther match. He <laughs> he, did, he didn't, did,
0: didn't take did. enough punishment, that's for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: No, they, you know, they, they, they got into it, got back out of it. But yeah, no, no, he didn't have a Gunther match. And that's, that told
0: me everything I needed to know. (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing is with, with this match, uh, and the next two matches after that, I felt like they got to a certain point, but they never quite got to that next level. I feel like with the, well, the Miz again had a a decent performance in this match. And certainly there was a, a few, um, uh, a few close calls with the three counts that I think I bid on a few of them, false the uh, false finishes. Uh, but mm-hmm. Again, like it just like you said, like by the end of it, you looked at the Miz and he hadn't gone through what some other guys had gone through to to, to have to deal with a match with Gunther. Moving yep. forward, we had Santos Escobar against Dragon Lee. Let me tell you, Jack. Let me tell you, I, I got a lot of problems with this match. Okay, so number one was originally booked to be Santos Escobar versus Carlito, which no shade on the the rebooking of this match because I think Santos Escobar and Dragon Lee is a great match too. Eh? But on a pay-per-view where you have five matches, I think when you have two stars the caliber of Santos Escobar and Dragon Lee, to give them seven minutes and 40 seconds is a complete and utter slap in the face to those of us who enjoy pro wrestling because these guys got so undercut in this they had no time to really get to that like i said that next level and they're two guys who we know can do it so why not just give them 15 minutes what's the what's the big deal that's my thoughts on this match what about you
1: no, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I don't did, did they give a reason for Carlito not being there? I mean, I know storyline would happen, but is he injured? Was it a reason why they needed to make this switch?
0: I, I they just they wrote him off on the storyline by having Escobar attack him, and that's all I really know right now.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I, I think, I think there's this this. This is going to be a an interesting program with Escobar. Like I figured I figured we'd get here eventually. Uh this is just another chapter in it. You know, they're really building up Dragon Lee. And then they you know, they don't didn't have him win. <laughs> so it, I don't I don't I don't think that I don't think they did damage. I don't think they did anything great. I just think the, would the card have been better if this match was not on. I think there's a case to be made for you probably did
0: more damage having the match did not happen. So Well, I I, think I I understand that point, but I mean like could you are could, could there be an argument for if you gave this match like 10 more minutes if they, it could have gone to that point? Like I certainly don't think in 2023 when we have a Escobar versus Dragon Lee match that it doesn't belong. I just think that there are parameters to letting it belong. And okay. on a show the caliber of Survivor Series, one of your big 4 Mm-hmm. 15 minutes the crowd would have eaten this up yeah they just right. needed to be allowed to get there and there would have been
1: a lot of the spots that they would have done would not have been rehash of what we've seen all night because right. there was n- there essentially wasn't people that fit in that same vein on the rest of the car meaning they could have had a lucha style match then would have gripped people and it would have been a lot more acceptable. I, I just think it was neither fish nor foul. They didn't give them enough to make it a standout. And you know, it was just once it started, once it ended, it was like, all right, well, get them out the ring. What's next?
0: What's next is Rhea Ripley against Zoe Stark. Um, again, same complaint I had about the last two matches. I think it was a fine match. Uh, I think Zoe Stark showed a lot of fire. I think that Rhea Ripley is over as all hell right now. So no matter what she's doing in there, the crowd's eating it up. But Mm -hmm. again, nine minutes, 15 seconds. There's only five matches on this card. And I understand that two of them combined take a little bit over an hour. But my problem is, is that you are not focusing on traditional pay-per-view anymore. So these are, these are, Paper events that like don't get me wrong. I'm not going to complain about a WWE pay per view being over in two hours and fifty five minutes, especially with what we have to go with or deal with with AEW every fucking month. Mm-hmm. Never mm-hmm. want you hear me complain about that, but. It just feels like in those situations where they could give a match an extra five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it needs, they kind of don't and they hesitate on that. And they like, again, doesn't matter whether you're Gunther or Escobar or Zoe Stark or Dragon Lee or Rhea Ripley, Miz, whatever. If you're getting the exposure, especially for the newer crop of talent, when you're getting mm-hmm. that exposure on a PLE, you want to be able to have enough exposure where somebody wants to come back. No, I I didn't leave e- any of those matches. Like I'm already a Gunther fan, so I'm already going to guarantee I'm going to watch everything he does, but I'm not coming back to any of these, these guys and going, what's next? I'm I'm going like, okay, that was just there.
1: Yeah. And, and I think just going into it, like there was no, there wasn't a moment where I felt like real Rick Ripley was going to lose the match. Yeah. And, and, so it was already a foregone conclusion, um, they weren't going to be able to do some of the spots that we knew were coming in the main event. So it was just, it was just there. Like, you don't, you don't like business as usual matches. You don't like check the box matches. Like, we could do without more check the box matches. And I was a check the box match. I, I think they could have chosen to do one of those matches and give the time to it. Like, it could have been, they could have picked. Which one can have a standout match? Either give the time to, to, to you know, Dragon Lee or give the time to Real Ripley. But what they did was put them both on, gave them half the time, and neither one of them were neither fish nor fowl, and neither one of them really got in enough gear for you to even see that a gear
0: shift was coming. So it was like, okay, it started, it's over. What's next? Yeah, Right. Well, what's next, Jack? is the Men's War Games match. Cody Rhodes, Seth Freakin' Rollins, Jey Uso, Sami Zayn, and the returning Randy Orton go over the Judgment Day. Damien Priest, Finn Balor, Dirty, Dominic Mysterio, and J.D. Madonna with Drew McIntyre joining them. This match went like 35 minutes. Uh, there was lots of stuff in this match that I liked. I I thought that uh, when they had all but Randy Orton in there, that's when it was at its peak. Um... I think that just the fact that, you know, you you had the judgment day looking super strong in this. While the babyfaces had their moments of shine too, it wasn't really until Randy Orton showed up, which was a great way to do it. So what they had did was the judgment day hit was beating everyone senselessly. They beat up Cody, they put Rollins through a table, and then Priest called for Rhea Ripley to come down with the briefcase. Rhea Ripley comes down with the briefcase, and before they can cash it in, Randy Orton makes his triumphant triumphant return, looking like he ate 2014 Randy Orton. Just oh. built built for tough this guy looks. Yes. There's two or four two two to three different <laughs> versions of Randy Orton's <laughs> career. And this is like super saiyan Randy Orton. Yeah. Um, he comes in, they get you know, obviously the baby faces get the shine back. They eventually go over. Um what were your thoughts on the match before we get into the post-match?
1: I mean, well, when you when you're telling the story, and and I, that's where WWE to me are at their best when they're telling the story. And when you do good storytelling, there's little moments that can happen, and they build onto something. And a little moment like Jay Uso and Randy Orton being right next to each other—it's like, oh, well, we remember how you know how Randy left. Is like. That moment, they didn't have to beat you over the head with it. As soon as you see them, it's like, is Randy going to get him? What's he going to do? You know, like, so I, I like the way that it built. You know, I knew that, that eventually Randy was going to come out. And I, I think what, what what they were saying was the reason why they did it the way that they did it was to throw people off from thinking CM Punk was going to be the last man. So they announced, but never give you Randy Orton. So they Hey, it's the Viper. It's all it is. They never show them to you. And the whole show is he here. Nope. He's not here. So you never get that. And I think when you talk about masterful booking, like number one, you, you have this, you, 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 sometimes it's like, Hey, look at this. No, look at this. No, look at this. So it's like, you, you got uh, uh real Ripley coming out. They going to cash in. Now you got fans incensed. Oh, man, we're going to get to see a cash-in. Like, this is a great moment. Before the cash-in can happen, Randy Orton's music, come on. This is a great moment. Randy's back, and you just giving him so much fan service, fan service, fan service. You got Randy in there randy's doing the randy classics randy's hitting all of them everybody get to get to hit the you know the the uh uh uh, what was the the middle rope ddt together Yes, yes you get that you get the moments of saying is randy gonna do something to cody is randy gonna like the whole time there's you never know what's gonna happen and then when they go with the JD was JD McDonough, the one they threw off the cage to Randy. Like, it was great. Like, this is what fan service is all about. We want to see Randy. We want to see some RKOs. We want to see the polls. That's what we want. So, you went from uh, number one, not giving us Randy the entire show to, to mess up and pop, didn't give us Randy. Then you make us think it's going to be a cash in. Then you give us Randy. Then you give us all of the greatness that happened in the match. And then it's not even over yet. And I'll let you talk about the next one.
0: Um, the match itself for me, like, uh, I-, I thought that there were highs and lows to it. I think that uh, here's what I was going to say before we get into the post match. Uh, you had both baby face groups win their respective war games matches. And I think both heel units could have used the win too. And mm-hmm. I think that if you were gonna definitely do this, I'd like it made more sense to have the Randy Orton team or the Co- Co- Team Cody Rhodes rather go over the the Judgment Day because the Judgment Day has been strong for a while. But if you were gonna do that, then I feel like the Damage Control could have won the opening match. It didn't. It didn't really need to be the baby faces. That being said, getting into the post match, everybody's going crazy. the The baby faces go over. We get the bottom third graphic. And like Triple H does, that's not that doesn't necessarily mean the end of the show. the The music kicks in. Cult of Personality hits the airwaves. The remastered version of Cult of Personality that dropped the day before, which pretty much was a pretty good hint of what was going to happen. CM Punk walks out into the WWE universe for the first time in a decade. The crowd went wild because it's Chicago. Like I think the two (laughs) biggest the night were Randy and CM Punk. Actually, R Truth got a pretty big pop too in in their uh oh I will say before we even get into punk, I could not want Ruffles chips less than after <laughs> This yeah. nearly three-hour ad for Ruffles at the Ruffles series. And yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. Cool. Um CM Punk and WWE. Like we we I thought it was gonna happen. A lot of people didn't think it was gonna happen. It did happen. What are your thoughts? <laughs>
1: You know, there's so many ways to go about it, and I don't know if you want to go into the promo on, on Raw, you know, the next night. Um, but it is one of those things where, man, there was when when CM Punk came back, I remember people legitimately crying, like it, it was, it was almost like he's back. We never thought we'd see it. Like the, you only get that one time. Yep. And then he leaves, and he comes back again. And this is still in AEW. So now he's had these two comebacks in AEW. Like, we know who CM Punk is. We know who CM Punk is. We know Prickly Punk. We know we know how he is. We know his mentality. So to think that AEW was going to end in a different way, I think, could have it would have been insane. Like, as, as, as much as people love seeing the love fest between Tony Khan and, and and you know, him in press conferences, no, you're great, no, you're great, no, you're great, no, you're great. Like, you know, <laughs> we know at some point the real guy is going to come out. And all it took was for CM Punk to put his opinion out there about what he thought some of the younger talent was. Like, you got to realize younger talent made it where they made it like you made it. So... <laughs> They're not going to bow down to you because at the same time, I don't know how much bowing down he was doing when Triple H was back there and all of that. So to see him come back to the WWE, it was it was a moment, but it's a moment that you never want to see somebody turn babyface because they were a heel and the heel team beat them up. Like, that's not a good way to turn babyface. Like, you want to turn babyface because there's a change. And in some ways, he'll see him turn babyface because he got fired from AEW. And after that, now it's like, okay, well, now I'm coming back to WWE and I'm home. Which, did, did you watch the promo
0: last night? I, I did. I did. And let, let's get into it. I, I, I will say a lot of the sentiment online right now is that... It was a rehash of the first dance uh, promo that he did when he returned in AEW and mm-hmm. that it didn't sound genuine. Now he got a huge reaction. Don't get me wrong. And he's gotten two baby face pops since then. But I mean, like here's the thing because I I've heard on other podcasts and I've heard throughout the, um, you know, the wrestling community online. Um, I think it would be interesting to see him play this delusional guy who thinks he's a babyface, but in reality, he's hated by everybody and the promo itself. Um, I mean, I'll say this, uh, the first, I enjoyed well, a lot of Monday night raw last night. I, I really did. I, I love yeah. the tag turmoil match. I, I, I love the, the Haas fight that we got between Ivar and Bronson Reed I loved all the young talent highlighted, but then we got into Nia Jax, and then we got into uh, Dominic and Randy, and both were pretty slow prodding matches and just didn't keep my attention. So come yep. CM Punk time, I'm thinking, okay, well they obviously got an overrun going because they're really late mm-hmm. into the show. Yep. No, this guy had like a maybe 10 minute promo about how much he was a good guy and he's changed and and. I just, I don't know. For me, it just wasn't enough of an impactful promo, and you only get one comeback promo in each company, I guess. Um, And we'll see. the The big thing about CM Punk right now is it's a big we'll see. We got guys taking bets that he doesn't make it the duration of his contract, (laughs) and that he's going to get himself in trouble somehow. And uh, my thing is, is as a fan of CM Punk, I I do hope that we get to see if this is what he wants, he wants to go out in pro wrestling and have his final hurrah. I do hope we get the fullest final full-time hurrah that he can get because I think Mm -hmm. he certainly deserves it and he's earned it, but we'll, but it's a, we'll see because I just, uh, like I said, you never know what's going to happen with CM Punk. What what were your thoughts on it? Um,
1: you know, looking at it and waiting all show for it. And then they even put a, you know, in the back where they, they, they show you the, 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 the locker room door and it has CM Punk's name on it. I'm like, was it like that before he left? I don't remember, but yeah, you know, you're getting to see him finally come back out and, um, the promo was a rehash of the other promo. I just think CM Punk has never been the type to call WWE home. Like, even when he was there and he's sitting on stage cross-legged, you know, saying the stuff that he was saying then, like, CM Punk has always been anti-establishment. He's always been, you know, Pepsi feel. I'm doing it my way. I don't need the machine. Like, all of that stuff is him. So, standing in the ring saying I'm home, that's The Rock. That's his gimmick. (laughs) That's the rock get you to say I'm home. Um, does CM Punk feel home? Maybe. Hopefully at some point. But I don't think that we feel the same way about CM Punk we felt before CM Punk left. And it's because of a lot of different things. It's because of the stuff that happened in AEW. I can tell you, for me in particular, when you have CM Punk and he's like, well, Because The Rock is main event WrestleMania when I've been busting my tail all year and you bring The Rock back for the main event and I didn't main event it. You take this same guy to take him to the UFC. And did he start at the bottom of UFC? Of course not, because he's CM Punk. He started on pay-per-view. He didn't fight on the undercar, so he was essentially doing the same thing there and now coming back. And the same thing that he was doing when you look at Triple H and Shawn Michaels looking out the curtain like, ah, is this the guy? I don't think he's as, as over as you think. Uh, is this the guy? Like all of that type of stuff is essentially what he was doing in AEW with some of the younger talent. So there's always been a hypocrisy to CM Punk. Now, the point is, there are so many stories that could be told now. And the road to him to finally main event WrestleMania, um, now we got clearance. He can get there. Is he going to feel some type of way if he main events WrestleMania night one and not night two? Because now that's a whole nother conversation. You don't feel like you made event it because you didn't main event night two. But when you look at that, when you look at Seth Rollins and all of the stuff that came out of that, you know, the night before, and it's like, okay, is this a work? Is this a shoot? We don't know. But what we know is no matter what direction they go, he's going to have a completely different experience in WWE than he was going to have in AEW. Because there's a level of control that Tony Khan does not have. Right. You can have all the billions in the world, but you don't have control over who does and who says what and when they say it and all of that. So it all plays out on TV. If nothing, when we see CM Punk on WWE TV, we know that we're seeing what we're supposed to see. When you watch AEW, the, it, the entertaining part about it is... You get to see stuff that you probably shouldn't see. Like Jungle Boy looking at the camera and saying, cry me a river. Like, you shouldn't have saw that. But that's what happens over there. So now we get CM Punk back. We get another run. So many years removed. He's older, hopefully wiser. The the stakes are different. It's lots of new matchups. Let's make money. And that was what he ended the promo with. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money. Let's make some money. Let's make some money. Shut up and take my money. Let's go.
0: I'm, I'm absolutely, here to- absolutely. I, I will end the program on my uh, fantasy booking of CM Punk until WrestleMania. I think that this guy wins the Rumble. I think you. There's a story to be told there, and a lot of people I think would argue and go, "Oh no, Gunther needs the Rumble." Gunther, n- not yet. He's he's got lots of time. CM Punk is 45 years old, and. Uh, I know that there's probably a lot of complaints to, oh, why do we need an old guy winning the Rumble? Because he's a star. That's why. Mm-hmm. And far and away, because he's a star. Like, Triple H was touting today on, so, or and it was, they were touting it on Raw last night. The most viral moment of WWE history, it was CM Punk's return at Survivor Series. The numbers yep. are in. Guess what? He moves the needle. It's been proven time and time again. People who say that he's not a draw, they're wrong. They're wrong. And I, loves- I hate... He, he so um he wins the rumble, challenges Seth because I think that title needs somebody to challenge um for it as opposed to the WWE title. Cody Rhodes does not need to win the rumble to go back and have and finish that story against Roman. He doesn't need it. It's, it's not necessary. There's already a built-in story there. And you know what the story is? We're gonna finish the story. So regardless as to that situation, he he does not need that win. And 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 I don't think he's gonna get it. CM Punk wins the Rumble, challenges Seth. That belt gets a little bit more shine because the Rumble winner went after him. And then he beats Seth Rollins at WrestleMania, only to have Damian Priest come out immediately after, cash the money in the bank in, and win it at WrestleMania. I love it. (laughs) I love it. It's great. (laughs) reason i i say that is i don't think seth rollins needs to lose that title i think that it only hurts him if he is the one to take a pinfall for that title and this keeps him strong in a program with cm punk you can do the triple threat match at uh backlash in paris i think that there's a great place and a great match to have in their main event and then you can even have seth and punk go and do a hell in a cell match and then then priest moves on from them um, you both did uh, and and that's that's what I think the best use of CM Punk is in this day and age. Um, with all that being said, we have powered through two pay-per-views. We, we talked a little uh, news in the beginning. Jack, I want to thank you again for coming on the program. You're always a lifesaver when it comes to these moments where me and Kyle can't connect schedule-wise. So once again, thank you for coming back to Wallop Media and joining us for the Wallop Roundup.
1: Absolutely, man. I love pro wrestling. I love you guys. So keep it up. If there's
0: anything you want to plug, by all means, then now would be the moment. Now,
1: Jack B. London, C on Facebook and Instagram and all that good stuff. And hey, keep on uh, supporting the guys. Keep supporting the wall up, the roundup. Just support, man. This, these guys are doing great work, and, and I'm a huge fan. And thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely Jack. And uh, just a reminder to everyone who does listen to the podcast, why don't you check us out on Amazon Music? This month we're being featured in the Indie Podcast Amplifier section of their podcast section of the app. And honestly, right now if you want Amazon Music is free for 3 months. So go out there, check it out, check us out on Amazon Music. You can check us out everywhere else as well, but they're giving us some highlights, so I'm going to give them some highlight. With all that being said, Jack Thank you once again for coming on the program, and you have been walloped. You've been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by R.J. Spearin. you can find his work at facebook.com slash spear king Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.